Today on Hardwired. Antichrist comes on the world stage and the way that he gains the trust of the world and the way he wows them is he cuts a peace treaty with Israel and he brings peace between Jew and Arab. And he does it, and it says, for a period of seven years. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, on Hardwired, we've been going through the book of Revelation. I've loved teaching it as much as I know that you've loved hearing it because it tells us what is coming to this planet. John the Revelator was caught up into heaven and shown by Jesus Christ himself what would soon come upon the earth, and now we're seeing it, and we're seeing so many things line up to fulfill what is found in the book of Revelation. But this time, we're gonna look at time no longer. John is literally going to be told that time is coming to an end. When will that be? Well, let's jump right into the book of Revelation, grab a Bible, something to write with. I can't wait to share part two of the message, time no longer. Let's go. Let's just do a little recap here before we go further. Last time in chapter nine, we saw a terrible plague of locust-like creatures that were really actually demonic spirits released out of the abyss of hell to torture mankind for five months. Isn't that strange? Why five months? I don't know, but I know it's five months too long. Now, we also read that the Euphrates River has four angels posted there this very moment right now awaiting the day, the hour, and the moment they will be released to dry it up to make way for a great army. Is everybody with me? Because this is about the tribulation period. How long is the tribulation period? Seven years. It's divided into halves, three and a half years by three and a half years. The first three and a half years are pretty different from the last three and a half years. The second three and a half years, the tribulation is truly awful. So keeping that in mind, we're now recapping chapter nine. We're about to be the, to the very center of the book. And we also noted that the world of the great tribulation period, the people of that time period are gonna be steeped in idolatry and rife with drug abuse, pharmakia, sorcery. That's what the Bible says. And now as we come to chapter 10, we encounter a mighty angel holding a small scroll. So here we are, the middle of the book. Here comes a mighty angel. John writes, then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. And see who this sounds like as we read it. Surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head, his face shone like the sun and his feet were like pillars of fire. Who's that sound like? Come on, Jesus. 
Revelation 11, 1 to 2. Then I was given a measuring stick. Now, here's John. He's being handed a measuring stick in his vision. You know, a, a ruler, a tape measure. And, and I was told, go and measure what, everybody? The temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. But do you know that by the time John wrote this, the temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed? So there was no temple. It was gone when he sees this. Keep that in mind. And then he's told, and don't even count the number of worshipers, but don't measure the outer courtyard for it's turned over to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. Now hang with me, I'm gonna explain this. Everybody agree with me that you can't measure what's not there unless you're having a vision? Now he's having a vision and he says, I want you to measure the temple. So you know what he's telling us here that clearly the temple must be rebuilt. The temple must be rebuilt by the tribulation period. It must be rebuilt. So I wanna take a minute and give you a little bit of history of the temple. Every Christian ought to understand what I'm about to share with you. You ought to get this. Let's go all the way back to Father Abraham had many sons. And Abraham, follow me now, was told by God, you remember, to offer up his son Isaac, his only son. It was a picture of God offering up his only begotten son, Christ. He went where? He went to the top of Mount Moriah. And there the drama of Isaac being spared by the intervening angel takes place. And later, King Solomon ordered his engineers to literally cut the top off of Mount Moriah after a lot of time it elapsed, okay? Because now we're down to Solomon, all the way from Abraham to Solomon. But Solomon, when he went to build the first temple, he decided it's gonna go on the top of Mount Moriah where Abraham offered up Isaac. So he, he ordered his engineers to, to cut the literally the top of Mount Moriah off. And in an amazing engineering feat, they accomplished it in order to build the first glorious Solomonic temple. It's almost like Abraham wanted the first temple to be as close to heaven as he could get it, right? And it became one of the wonders of the world. The original Solomonic temple, Solomon's temple was, was just, you, if you and I could see it today, we would be dumbstruck. We would not know how to describe what we were seeing. They didn't even use silver, there was so much gold. I mean, this was a architectural wonder on the top of Mount Moriah. Now, when the Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity, you remember Solomon's glorious temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. And it happened in 587 BC. 50 years later, construction of a new temple was begun in 537 BC. And after a 17-year pause due to persecution, work resumed in 520 BC. The second temple was completed in 516 BC and dedicated in 515 BC. Now, I know that's a lot of BCs that don't matter to you, but watch this. So 72 years after the first temple was destroyed, the second temple was rebuilt and dedicated. All right? You with me? Okay. Now, so here you got the second one. Now remember, when the people that had been around for the first one saw the second one, the old men, they cried. 
Why did they weep? Because it didn't measure up to the first one. In its magnificence, in its glory, in its size. And they wept. It was sort of like, wow, look what we lost. We're never going to get back the original temple. But they were told, don't worry because the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory that was on the former house. Okay? Then you got this second temple. When was it destroyed? The second temple was destroyed in what year AD? 70 AD. It was destroyed by the Romans per the prediction of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Why was it destroyed by the Romans? Why did Jesus predict the destruction, not only of the temple, but of Jerusalem? Because it was judgment. Judgment for what? Because they had rejected their Messiah. And not only rejected him, they murdered him. They carried him through kangaroo court. He was convicted on a pack of lies. They sent him to the worst manner of execution known to man at that time. He was hung on the cross, a totally innocent man. And the Jews had said, when Pilate tried to release him, they had said, his blood be on our heads and our children's heads and our children's children's heads. Oh my, oh my. Because this was Messiah, folks. This was God the Son. That's why it was destroyed. But in 70 AD, it was destroyed. So the second temple now is destroyed. Listen to what Jesus had said. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds right before he was crucified, he would never be in the temple again after this verse. His disciples pointed out to him all the various temple buildings, but he responded, you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone is gonna be left on top of another. And when it was destroyed by the Romans and Jerusalem was wiped out and over a million Jews were slaughtered starved to death and slaughtered. It was a ferocious judgment. The Jewish people that lived through it were scattered to the four corners of the earth. This is very important. Please follow this history with me. We've got to understand this as believers because it's gonna bring us right up to today. They became a people when this happened uh, without a country, exactly as Moses had predicted. Did you know that? Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. Moses had predicted the scattering. He said, Deuteronomy 28, 64 through 67, for the Lord will scatter you among all the nations from one end of the earth to the other. He's talking to Israel here. There, you're gonna worship foreign gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known, gods made of wood and stone. And there among those nations, you're not gonna find any peace or place to rest. And the Lord will cause your heart to tremble, your eyesight to fail, your soul to despair. Your life will constantly hang in the balance. You will live night and day in fear, unsure if you will survive to the next day. In the morning, you will say, oh, if only it were night. And in the evening, you will say, if only it were morning, for you will be terrified by the awful horrors you see around you. And that's what Moses told Israel way back before God took him home. Has it turned out to be true? You better believe it. Jewish history fulfills this prediction to a T. There's been, never been a place or a time in which Jews were not persecuted, despised, rejected. All we have to do is think of the Holocaust. 
And that's really, that's really just the most apparent thing. But do you know that anywhere the Jews went after the scattering, they were persecuted, they were made fun of, they were mocked, they were rejected, they were despised, they weren't received. Look how anti-Semitism has reared its ugly head again, even in our day, even after the Holocaust. It's everywhere in the world now. Moses predicted it, and it has happened. Now, jump ahead from 70 AD to around 700 AD, and you got Islam is born. Here comes Muhammad. Now, this, is, this matters. Watch this. Islam claims that at the end of his life, Muhammad rode into Jerusalem and ascended into heaven on a horse from the very spot where the Jewish temple had been before it was destroyed in 70 AD. That's what Islam taught. So their leader, they said, Muhammad, went to Jerusalem, went to where Mount Moriah had been leveled for the temple, went where the temple had stood, and from there he ascended on a horse. So they built the Dome of the Rock right there. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Dome of the Rock is the number one place for Islam in the world. I've been there. I've been in it. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've experienced it. It was exceedingly oppressive. Went in there and it was just a couple of thousand Muslims on their knees chanting chants, bowing down. Okay? That's where the Dome of the Rock is. This matters. The Dome of the Rock has stood on the site where the temple stood since uh, the late 7th century AD. Meanwhile, God promised through his prophets the Jewish people would one day be restored to their homeland. And against all odds, after being relentlessly persecuted, rejected, despised everywhere they went, and homeless for 20 centuries, Israel became a nation again in 1948. That doesn't happen, but it happened. After 20 centuries, it happened. It was an absolute miracle. And then, a few years later, we had the famous Six-Day War in 1967. And that's when they took the sacred city of Jerusalem again. But even so, folks, listen, the temple has not been rebuilt to this day. Now, we just read that John said it's going to be. Did we not read it? John said it's going to be. But what's there now? The Dome of the Rock. There's no question that God gave that land to the Jewish people, folks, via Abraham, beginning all the way back to Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Verse seven, again, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And, and uh, 
God proceeded to define all the boundaries of the promised land in Numbers 34, 1 through 12, along with many other passages, the boundaries of the promised land are laid out. Now, this brings us back to Revelations 11, 1. Let's read it again. Then I was given a measuring stick and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. This verse clearly predicts the temple is going to exist again in the last days. That's what we just read. Now, I learned a long time ago, let God be true and every man a liar. Who would have ever thought after 20 centuries, the Jewish people would return to their homeland from all over the world and become a nation again? Unheard of in all of history, but they did. So let God be true and every man a liar. The temple is going to be rebuilt. And you know what? Right there, where it was. Somehow, someway, someday, the Jewish people are going to build the temple again. Now, if you do a little reading, you can go check it out yourself. There are Jewish leaders in Israel right now who have made up their mind. They are resolved. The temple is going to be rebuilt on the site where the temple used to be. They've resolved. The, the plans are already blueprinted out. They're going to do it. It's going to happen. He said, well, how, Pastor Jeff, will it happen? That gigantic dome with a rock is there, clear as day. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a limited war and it'll be struck by something and removed. Maybe an earthquake and it'll be removed. Who knows how? That's not my problem and it's not yours. I'm so glad to be able to say that. But something will happen and they're going to be able to rebuild their temple right there. Okay? Remember, Israel is God's timepiece. If you want a prophetic timepiece, always keep your eyes on what's going on in Israel. Israel is God's timepiece. And what's happening there matters constantly, evermore. So this also presupposes the old Jewish sacrifices and temple worship will be reinstated because John is told to count the number of worshipers. So there's going to be the Old Testament system is going to be reinstated. It will be functioning by the time of the tribulation. Sacrifices, everything. We'll see later in this series, the Antichrist is going to make a peace treaty with Israel. Now, let me tell you when, as we come to a close tonight, when the tribulation period is going to begin. Here will be the trigger. The Antichrist is going to cut a peace treaty with Israel and the Arabs. He'll finally solve the age-old Arab-Israeli conflict. And no doubt, one of the carrots he places in front of the Jews will be to allow them to practice their Old Testament rituals and worship again. Will he make a way for the rebuilding of the temple? We don't know. He could. And maybe that'll be one of the carrots as well. You follow me, and I'm going I'm to make it where you can rebuild your temple. I'm going to allow you to rebuild your temple. But though temple worship in Jerusalem will be restored, it'll be interrupted once more by the invasion of Gentiles. Revelations 11.2, remember he said, don't measure the outer courtyard. It's been turned over to the nations. Ethnos is the Greek word for ethnic groups, and it means Gentile nations. And in the second half of the tribulation period, Gentile nations will trample Jerusalem down for 42 months until Christ returns and stops it. And who will these Gentile invaders be? The forces of Antichrist 
who will dominate the Middle East and Jerusalem for 42 months, a period of three and a half years, the second half. Now, we're going to go over all of this in greater detail as, as this series continues. But here's what the prophet Daniel predicted. Follow me now. The ruler, I'm quoting Daniel, Daniel 9, 27. The ruler, he's talking about Antichrist, will make a treaty, there's the treaty, with the people, that's Israel, for a period of one set of seven, seven years. Catch that. Antichrist comes on the world stage and the way that he gains the trust of the world and the way he wows them is he cuts a peace treaty with Israel and he brings peace between Jew and Arab. And he does it, and it says, for a period of seven years. The tribulation lasts seven years. It's the final seven years of Daniel's 70 weeks. A peace pact between Arabs and Jews will finally be realized, but at the hands of Antichrist. Do you remember the news, do you, when Jimmy Carter tried it? If you were around back then? Oh yeah, Jimmy Carter tried it. Remember when Bill Clinton tried it? Yeah, Bill Clinton tried it. President after president have tried to do what the Antichrist is gonna do. Can you imagine the fame and the adoration Antichrist will receive after solving a problem that has vexed the entire world for centuries? At the end of the first three and a half years, the Antichrist, here's what's gonna happen, and I close with this. So at the beginning of the tribulation, Antichrist comes on the scene. Now Daniel tells us he comes on the scene with flatteries. He's a flatterer. He's a smooth operator. He's a smooth talker. And he gains the confidence of the world and of political leaders by flattery. Uh, he, he's a talker. And he begins to enter onto the world stage in the political arena. He's a politician. He's a political figure. His sidekick, the false prophet, will be a religious figure. I think I hope I don't offend anybody, but I think it's very possible, a pope. Because nobody in the religious world has the attention of the world like the pope. Okay. Antichrist will cut this peace treaty. The world will, wow, what a guy. Can you believe this? He's brought peace. He makes the Jewish people believe they don't have to worry about being attacked anymore. So it's a peace treaty. But three and a half years into the tribulation, he walks into the rebuilt temple. He walks into the Holy of Holies. And he sits down, according to scripture, I'll read it to you as we go along in this series. And he says, I am God. The Jewish people suddenly realize we've been had. We've been lied to. We've been deceived. This dude, he's not what we thought. And when he does that, all hell breaks loose. The peace treaty is over. And the Jewish people get persecuted like they've never been persecuted before. This is the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Daniel 9, 27 again, and I close with this verse. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and the offerings, the Old Testament form of worship. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object, causes desecration, the abomination of desolation, 
until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. I've given you a lot tonight. You can walk away knowing this. God's got everything under control. Amen? And we're in incredibly difficult times, but we're also, if you ever wake up one morning and you see some Middle Eastern dude cut a peace treaty with Israel, start calling all your relatives that are still lost and witness fast because that's the trigger of the Great Tribulation. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.